0: It's so good to be here, isn't it? Loving being here, just loving the sunshine. Yes, it's light at seven o'clock. We were away last weekend, uh, had a bit of a break, and uh, clocks and everything. Just so nice to stand here, and we're not in the gloomy dark, which is really good. And welcome from me if you're new. really like that you're hanging out and hope you've had a good welcome and, and you know, do all the things that Harry and Nikki said to do to connect. Um, you're probably well aware, most of you, of the, of the Tivoli place in Regent Arcade. Relatively new, I think, kind of posh cinema, comfy seats, nice food, all of that sort of thing. Qual- high quality, quite expensive. I went there, popped in there yesterday and bought a 50 quid um, gift voucher for the Tivoli. Uh, and to avoid confusion, my own money, not Trinity's. Um, so if anybody wants that... Uh, At any point in my message, you're welcome to come up and take it. We're thinking about invitations tonight. We're thinking about invitations, specific invitation. What kind of person enjoys, gets to enjoy the kingdom of God? Have a little muse on that for a moment. What kind of person gets to enjoy the kingdom of God? That would be a, a bit of a question that hangs over this evening. And we're in Luke uh, chapter fourteen, so you might want to find that, please, on your Bibles. In your Bibles, uh, Andrew's commending, and I agree with him. The use of, of uh, the, the, the old hard copy Bible. There's something about rustling of, of papers, but find, find Luke fourteen in your devices, in your Bibles. There's some here, some at the back. And uh, this series that we're doing in Lent through uh, Luke's Gospel, fasting and feasting, Jesus at meals. What's God saying to us? Go for it, Jesse. So cool. Um, Jesus uh, in various meal settings and what's the Lord saying to us through them? And it's a rich old passage here. But he's a, he's a, a meal in the home of another of these Pharisees, one of the elites, kind of Jewish leaders. And, and Jesus ends up addressing basically this question, what kind of person gets to enjoy the kingdom of God? Let's catch a little bit of the context. I'm going to move quite fast, so eyes down. I haven't got it all on the screen. It's the Sabbath day, verse 1. So the God squad, including the host, by the way, who's a Pharisee, they're out to kind of watch Jesus and catch him out and trip him up, especially see if he'll break any of their laws, including the law about the Sabbath. They believe that to heal somebody, accounted as work, work is not allowed on the Sabbath, so he shouldn't heal on the Sabbath, right? And they probably planted this guy, there's a guy there who's sick in in front of him, just to see if he's going to kind of if he's gonna do this thing which they they think is forbidden. But Jesus is not your typical polite guest who seeks not to offend. I hope we get that about Jesus. If you've read the Gospels recently or ever, frankly, not through the filter of some uh, slightly distorted views that we can bring to it, you'll recognize that Jesus says some pretty sharp things. He is not polite. He is not scared to offend at all. It all comes from love, it's not judgment, but he is not afraid to, to speak sharply. In fact, we underestimate a lot of the warnings. I won't go off on a hobby horse here, but a lot of what Jesus said is around warnings. There's a bit of warning in this passage too. Anyhow, he's not going to simply comply. He, he, he takes the Pharisee's head on and he simply heals the guy. Why? Because he's loving and compassionate. He's full of the Holy Spirit and that's an evidence of the kingdom of God. He demonstrates uh, the Father's power and, and just heals the guy. Next, eyes down, seven to eleven. There's this thing where he sees these men. They're watching him, but he's watching them. And he sees these proud men choosing their places of honor, choosing the best places for the feast, placing themselves where they're going to get noticed and and all of that. And he gives another pretty sharp message about humility, about serving others, preferring others before taking the best place for yourself. The last shall be first. First shall be last. All of that sort of thing. And that must have stung a bit. He's at a dinner party. He's talking to the guys who are doing the very thing that he's then saying, don't do that. Then gets a bit worse. He tells the host that he's invited the wrong people. Seriously. It's actually quite funny when you think about it. You know, we read these stories and think, oh yeah, that happened, that happened, if you're familiar with your Bibles. Actually, it's quite funny. 12 to 14, you should have invited some other people. Poor people, lame people, blind people, instead of these people who... You love, who like you, who can return the favor, and it's all a bit cozy. It's pretty awkward. I think it's probably quite tense. I mean, I think it'd be unnatural if there weren't some rather awkward things going on. Anyhow, to break the tension, we get to verse 15. There's this guy, one of the God squad, one of the Pharisees, maybe he's a, he's a kind of harmony kind of guy, wants to pull it all back because it's looking a bit as if this party's going in a dangerous direction. And he starts talking uh, about this feast, this, uh, this kingdom of God moment, this, this banquet that's, that's going to happen in the future. Because Jesus himself has referred to that in the previous chapter, in, in chapter 13, uh, and has been speaking a bit about this final fulfilling of the kingdom of God. And this guy says, yes, blessed is everybody, verse 15, who will eat bread in the kingdom of God one day. He probably thought at least everybody's going to agree with that. We're not going to fall out on that one, are we? We can fall out on the other stuff, but oh yeah, sure, I'll bring us back. And everybody's, oh yes, absolutely. That's going to be fantastic, isn't it? We're going to look forward to that one day. That's going to be a really great day. And we can all sort of cohere around that. Think again. Jesus is not done with the correction and with the encouragement. And with the warning and with especially, I think, making them think about their mindsets and about their assumptions. Don't you find that Jesus does that when you take him seriously? He makes us think about the assumptions, about the filters, about the perspectives that we bring to ourselves and the world and life, the things that we've grown up with. Discipleship is so much about getting our perspectives different, our mindsets changed. And here he is doing exactly that to this God squad who, you know, with, with good intentions, had, had been trying to do the right thing and, and all of that. So he tells this parable, and this is where we're going to go. The last half of uh, verses kind of 16 to 24. And I'm going to read them, and they're on the screen. So he tells off the back of that this, what this guy said about the future kingdom, about the kingdom of God, what it's like, and so on. And we're all going to be there, aren't we? He says, Jesus replied... A certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests, and at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell the ones who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. First one said, I've just bought a field. I've got to go and see it. Strange to have bought it without having seen it, but there we go. Please excuse me. Next one. I've just bought five yoke of oxen. Obviously, as a farmer, this is part of his business. I'm on my way to try them out. Again, a bit strange, a bit like buying a car, which you've not tried out, but that's what he's going to do. Please excuse me. Third one, I've just got married. I can't come. So the servants come back. They report this to the master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has already been done. We've got there before you. If we've done that. But there's still room and then the master told the servant we'll go out to the roads then and the country lanes outside of the town to the country lanes compel them to come in so that my house will be full I tell you not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet do you know the story read that story before familiar to some maybe not so much to others parables are great ways of Jesus teaching we can overstretch them at times, but they carry a myriad of different sorts of meanings. Let's explore a little bit this one. Come, the key line here for me is this. Come, everything is now ready. It's the punchline, isn't it? Come, come. Jesus is clearly meaning for us to understand that the host of the banquet, the guy who's saying, come, everything's now ready, is Father God in heaven. That's who the, the master of the house is. That's the one who's, who's throwing the party, if you like. And actually, he's always doing that. He's always inviting much of the Bible you can characterize by come and go. God's saying throughout human history, come, come, come in his fierce desire and passion to be united with those whom he created. He's always saying, come, come, please come, 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 finding a thousand different ways to say it. Will you come to me? Come, find life. Come, be part of my family. Come, live the life I've designed you to live. And then go, go in my name, go in my power, go with my spirit, go and be those who invite others to come. There's lots of coming and going, come and go. The whole Bible is like that. It's a great way of kind of seeing what, what we're about and especially what God is about. But here he says, come, everything's now ready. So let's take the invitation in three stages. What's it for? When's it for? And who's it for? Okay? What's it for? What's this invitation for? When's it for? And who's it for? Who qualifies? Who qualifies? Well, back to the original question, who gets to enjoy the kingdom of God? We'll go with the the what first. Everything is now ready. What's what's the everything then? Everything. What's the everything? What, What is this invitation for? This great banquet where everything is ready. Clearly, it's picture language. Of course it is. But it's aimed at describing something, isn't it? Incredibly attractive. Amazing and abundant and attractive. Now, I don't know when I say to you, great banquet, what that conjures up, what would be amazingly abundant and attractive and, and whatever along those lines for you. So I, I won't hazard a guess. But in, whatever that is for you, imagine it. What is this great banquet that's amazing and attractive and, 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 and full of abundance? Hills and I um, had the lovely moment of connecting with friends last weekend. We're in the Isle of Wight connecting with some good friends, used to be part of this church. And um, they treated us to the most amazing meal, I have to say. It will be one of those meals that I will probably remember forever. Partly because of the context and catching up with them and the sun was shining, we'd done a walk and all of that stuff. But my goodness, we went into this place that was one of those super trendy, right on the beachfront in a, in a resort in the Isle of Wight and you know the sort of place you can't get a table except they got a table and, um, and not just the best fillet steak I've ever had. And not just the best lobster that I've ever had. And I've only had lobster once. (laughs) But both, both lobster and fillet steak and salmon and crab and things i would never heard of, but didn't understand, but tasted delicious. And salted caramel, banana, parfait, chocolate, mousse, something or other. I mean, it was just, it went on and on. It was just, you can tell, (laughs) I'm a bit of a food. It was fantastic. It was just an amazing uh, feast. Food, friends, fellowship togetherness family all of that feasting that imagery works for me anyway even if it doesn't work for you but then time, i mean times a thousand for this for this great banquet okay get get something of the picture everything is ready So what is this picture language? This picture language then is the kingdom of God. This phrase I've been using, the phrase that Jesus uses all the time, almost all of his teaching is some form of teaching around the kingdom of God. The dom stands for domain, the domain, the the rule, the reign, the place where God the Father's values are worked out in human life, in the human sphere, among us, among people. That's the kingdom of God where people are rescued out of all the, the, the darkness of sin and pride and independence and brought into the light of God's presence and God's goodness. And therefore, where there is provision of all sorts, abundant. I mean, we could talk about the kingdom of God forever. Where there is true hope, where there is real peace, where there is an experience of the nearness of God himself, especially, especially where there is the value of love and power. God's kingdom is a kingdom of love and power not just a kind of more comfortable version of a a nice life. And so much more all wrapped up in this extraordinary phrase of the kingdom of God, living big with God lives as opposed to more empty without God lives. But where power is, is on offer through God's love, where bodies get changed, where mindsets get changed, where addictions get dealt with, where brokenness, uh, we have, where there's breakthrough in brokenness and more healing and wholeness happens and relationships get restored and so on. It doesn't mean that the problems don't sort of get magicked away or the challenges get magicked away. That's not the image. One day that will be true. Of course, that's not true now. But in the midst of the problems and the challenges and the trials and the pain and the sickness and the stuff that you and I face day to day... In the kingdom of God, there's the provision of the mindset, the perspective, the resources, the grace from heaven to cope with those things, to face those things, even to grow through those things, for those things not to sink us or put us completely on the back foot. It's one of the things we're going to minister into tonight. I'm convinced that so many of us are living lives on the back foot. We're sort of protecting ourselves from the stuff of life. No, the kingdom of God, people, we're on the front foot. Doesn't mean we're not assaulted by those things, but we're on the front foot, offering, receiving hope for ourselves, offering hope to a world that doesn't find it anywhere else. Amen? So this is a, a, just the most amazing picture of the kingdom of God. I'd love to kind of go off on one and talk for the next 20 minutes about the kingdom of God. But here, and it starts here, right? It begins here on earth, very, very clear. The war is still raging between the kingdom of God. There is a, a battle still on, a war still on. But one day, that kingdom will be fully established when Jesus comes again. So the banquet that we get to enjoy now the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. It's now, but not yet. It's here, but it's going to be its future. It's both things. Jesus made that clear. It's a foretaste. The the kingdom we enjoy here is a foretaste of of the eternal one to come. 2 Peter 1.3 out of a zillion verses, just to encapsulate this a little bit. It's on the screen. By his divine power, God's power, power, notice, God has given us everything. There's that word again. Not just a bit. Don't you love that? Strong language. Everything. Come now, everything is ready. 2 Peter 3, gosh, it's a bit small on the screen, sorry about that. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life, a kingdom life, if you like, a big life lived according to the king's design. And we've received all of this, how? By coming to know him, that's Jesus, the one who called us, the one who said, come, 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 who invited us to the party, to the banquet. He invited us to himself. By means of his glory and excellence, he's given us promises, etc. Put simply, you could say, the invitation is to life with the Lord. Life in all its fullness, as he put it. Life that begins here in a broken world and continues after death forever in a world that's set completely rife. Life as opposed to death. As opposed to lifelessness. That's the contrast. As opposed to life in all its emptiness, which is what we are born into, that's what we're born into. We're born into an inheritance of, of darkness and rebellion, and we need saving from. So those are the two options. That's what it is. That's what's being described here in the banquet in short. When, when, when is it? When is it for? When is the invitation for? Well, we'll do this briefly. It's fairly straightforward. Come, everything is now. Now ready. Everything's now ready. Today's the day of your salvation. The invitation's for today. The table is set. It's available now. C.S. Lewis wrote many brilliant books. One of them is The Screwtape Letters. There's a conversation between the senior devil and some junior devils. And he says to the junior devil, so uh, w- what's the best reason you can think of for putting people off coming to, in, into the kingdom, coming to the banquet, if you like, coming to faith in God, enjoying the, the reality of God? And the first one says, well, I'm going to tell them that God doesn't exist. And the senior devil snaps him around the face and says, that's a useless answer. Even we believe that God exists. Very, very few people don't believe that God exists. They might, you know, they might find the odd convinced atheist, but they're extremely rare because it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. Most people believe that God exists in some shape, form, or size. That's a hopeless answer. Somebody else answer. Another junior devil says, well, I'm going to say that God doesn't love them. I'm going to tell these people that God doesn't like them and he doesn't want them and he doesn't love them. And the senior devil says, well, it's a bit better. It's a slightly better answer. But actually, deep down, most people do have a sense. This, this annoying message that God is a God who loves and who cares and who's compassionate and who forgives, it's kind of still out there. And most people, kind of they've probably got a bit of a sense that God does. They, so you might catch the ones who feel shame and guilt and don't feel worthy. And, and, and you can push on those buttons and they won't come to God because they'll feel that they don't deserve it. But it's still not a great answer. Third junior devil puts his hand up. How are you going to tell them not to enjoy the kingdom of God? Junior devil says, I'm going to tell them to do it later. Just put it off. Just put it off a bit. Just, just wait a bit. Truth to tell, I had friends like that at university. As I was kind of trying to, to, to live a life that um, shared something, a, a witness to something of the reality of who Jesus was in my life. I found many of my friends were kind of, yeah, I kind of get it and I kind of believe it. But I, I, I want to do this first. i going to do. I'm, I might get to that one day. Whether that's starting, frankly, uh, a relationship w- with the Lord, whether it's the, the initial yes to that invitation, or frankly, for those of us who have responded, there's still a seductive power of the later messages. And I'll, I'll choose to be all in with God, to use our vision language, all in with, with the Lord, with each other, and, and, and for the sake of the world. I'll, I'll, I will do, I'll get to that when I finish my degree, when I've got a girlfriend, when I've bought a house, when I've got a new car. I'll get to it when I'm not quite so busy. I'll get to it when I'm a little bit less distracted. Or I'll get to it when I'm a bit more scrubbed up. I don't don't feel I'm quite there yet. I'm not quite sort of, you know, clean enough yet on the inside. I'll I'll get to it when it's such a seductive message. It's a complete lie. That's why it's a very successful one. The devil's very clever. Come, everything is now Ready? Compelling TED talk, by the way. It's not a Christian talk on, on um, procrastination. If you're into TED talks, 15 minutes of your time will not be wasted if you look at a, a talk on procrastination. And the talk effectively says we all procrastinate. We all leave. We have, all have a propensity to, um, you know, put put things on the shelf until we're sort of ready for them, or put them off, or not, or you know, choose to do something else. We get distracted so easily, including in our relationship with the Lord. I'll, I'll do something about it later. I just need to do this first great deception. Today is the day of your your salvation. Now is the time the kingdom of God is here. So enter in, take up the invitation because one day, previous chapter, end of the previous chapter, the door will be closed. Sharp words, sharp warning. One day the door will close. The invitation's gone out, the door's open at the moment, but one day the door will be closed. By the way, while we're at it, let's look at just a few more of the excuses in the parable for people saying, no, thank you to this, Don't, you know, it's not for me. We quite like dodgy excuses. I was reminded of the car insurance ones. Do you know those when people have accidents and on the insurance form? Um, leaving home for work, I drove out of my drive and straight into a bus. The bus was five minutes early. Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and struck a tree that I haven't got. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. It's quite nice. One more. Uh, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Dodgy excuses. It hit Jesus, in, in the story again, eyes down on, on this little bit. The excuses are much more, I mean, they're familiar, aren't they? Basically. I know the the language is a bit strange to us. There's the oxen and, and field and, and stuff. But essentially, what, what they're saying, no, I'm, I'm not all in with this. I'm, not, I'm going to hold that at arm's length, that thing you're inviting me into, whether for the first time or for the more of that, which may apply to you know, more of us here, because of stuff. I'm basically going after stuff. That's what the field is all about. It's about stuff and possessions and, and things that money can buy and, and all of that sort of thing, pleasure, if you like, comfort, effectively saying the God I actually serve is my own comfort. So that's where my my happiness and security lies. So no, the Lord doesn't actually have first call on my resources. The second one is about work and about busyness, the oxen thing. I bought these oxen and need to check them out. Shorthand, the God I really serve first is my achievements, actually. They're the thing that have priority, the the success that I'm aiming for, my, my work or whatever it is. That's where my happiness and security lies. So the Lord does not actually have first call on my time. Third one relationships. I've just got married. shorthand. The God I really serve first is my family and my friends and my spouse. That's where my happiness or security actually lies as a, as a real priority. And therefore, the Lord does not have the first call on my affections, is what's being said. Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You can't. can't. He doesn't say you you shouldn't. Please don't. He says you can't. It's actually impossible. You can't serve God and money. You can't say they're both Lord at the same time. You can't say uh, the Lord and relationships. You can't say the Lord and work and success and anything else and social media and music and sport, whatever it is. You can't can't serve two masters. There's only one. In Matthew's gospel, he says, but if you serve the one, if you seek first, what, the kingdom of God, Come into the kingdom of God, enjoy the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is your priority with Jesus, the king at its heart, then actually all those other things, as good as they are, work, family, oxen fields, they, they they take their place and you get them too. Come, everything is now ready. So what's it for? It's for the kingdom of God, life with him, life in the way that we're designed to live and to flourish with God at the center of it, here and now, one day forever in heaven. When's it for today? Don't delay, don't delay, don't hear that voice of, I'll do it later, I'll get round to it later, I'll get round to doing that wholehearted Christian following of Jesus thing later. For now, I'll just rock up on a Sunday. Last bit, who then, who, who qualifies for it? How does it work? i to get invited. I'm sure we all get invited to different sorts of things. Um, I get invited to some quite nice dinners sometimes. Uh, two or three times a year, I seem to get an invitation. The latest invitation, one of those ones which has arrived with a kind of gold thing round it, and i put it on a mantelpiece if I had a mantelpiece, that, that kind of invitation, posh one. 200 quid, dinner in London. It's a bit of a fundraiser, I think, and it's a sort of reunion and, and, and whatnot. And um, I look at this, thing. I, I won't be going. I, I get these invitations, I almost never go, why did I get invited? Because I meet certain requirements. In that particular case, I played for a particular sports team at my university, and it's a kind of reunion of those people who played that sport at that university, and a bit of a fundraiser, and so-and-so I've never heard of is going to give a speech, and I won't go, and I'm sure they'll have a lovely time. I've been invited on that, but and on the basis that I'm going to fork out 200 quid. Verse 16, Luke chapter 14, he invited many, not just a few, to the posh thing in London, in the image of this parable then, the many who were invited first refers to the Jewish leaders of the day. Okay? That's, that's, that's where it starts. They had the privilege of studying the scriptures. They knew their history. They'd read Moses. They knew about the prophets concerning the Messiah. And when the dinner hour came, as it were, God had sent his messenger to invite them. John the Baptist is saying, come, everything's ready, essentially. And they'd said no, and they'd made their excuses. So the invitation gets widened, it gets expanded. Who to? The next bit. To the outcasts of Israel. The Pharisees, the God squad, they hated these people. They really hated these people. These were the down and outs. These were the people who were the lowest of the low. Why would anybody give them any attention? And we've been there in a few of these previous messages, so I, I don't need to say, you know, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and so on. And who are those in our day? Who are the outcasts in your mind who don't kind of oh, really? What, they get an invite as well? Hang on a minute. Oh, not sure about that. Those people. kind of people that the Pharisees rejected. But no, they get invited. But there's still room. Do you notice? Love how you get these layers. There's still room. Verse 22. So the invitation goes still wider in theological language, outside of the city limits of Judaism, not just the Jews now, but everybody. That's the point of the, the country lanes and the hedgerows. Even further than the in crowd. Further to and down the line, down the generations to people like you and me non-Jews. So at the great banquet, the Lord, Revelation 7 verse 9, will have a great multitude which no one can count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. It's a broad invitation. In short, who gets invited? Everybody does. Everybody gets invited. If you're a human being, you're invited. You get the invite. No exceptions. Every race, every age, every background, every official religion. Because he doesn't want anybody excluded. Why? Because he's a God of love. And compassion, and he's gathering a family. He wants everybody in it. Not everybody will be in it, but he wants everybody in it. Just a couple of conditions of entry, though. First, obviously, there needs to be a yes. It's not automatic. There is a choice. You know that. I'm saying the obvious thing. There's a choice. We're not puppets. We're not robots. He gave us freedom to choose. It's part of loving somebody. You give them the freedom. And lots and lots and lots and lots and lots say no. And then the other ter- uh, uh, part of the master's terms are these. To recognize that you don't deserve it and you can't pay for it. And friends, this is where we, we sort of, it might, that might be familiar to some of us, but I think we have a problem here. You don't deserve it and you can't pay for it. And we don't like that. We just don't like the idea of something for nothing. It just goes against the grain of Almost everything that we've grown up with, from the moment as a baby that you smiled and somebody kind of gave you a bit more attention. Ooh, if I do that again, they might give me a bit more attention. You get something for something. Is how our world works. You pay for something, you get something back. And I'm not saying those, those are wrong things, by the way, but this is not that kind of thing. There is no transaction involved here. It is the scandal of grace, and it's a big problem. It's really offensive to us. We, we react against it. I'm slightly wondering, by the way, and I may be completely wrong, why there wasn't a a, a rush of stampeding of feet to come and pick up the voucher. Josie was pretty quick off the mark after a few minutes, but maybe it was because there's a catch. He wants some money for it. Uh, It's empty. It's not what he says it is. Um, I don't deserve it. Uh, Somebody else should have that first, or somebody else should go first, or if it's there at the end, maybe I'll come later. Mm -mm, Sorry, door closed. (laughs) Maybe some of those thoughts, or it's a bit embarrassing, or whatever. Maybe some of those thoughts are going through your head. I don't know. God will never, ever sell you anything. He won't. He won't do it. Much as we might want to try, and do, try and pay for stuff, try and earn stuff, try and trade our stuff for something good from him, doesn't happen. What are his terms? Say yes and do it according to his way. What's his way? ABC. taught this years ago. A, for admit, admit that we need him. We need rescuing. We need life. We're born dead. We need his life. We need to move from being lost and outside to being at the table. And we can't do anything to fix that. We need to admit that. We need to believe. B, we need to believe that he's fixed it. We're going to celebrate communion. In a minute, this is the prime way that God has fixed it for us to enjoy access to the table. We couldn't fix our problem, he's fixed the problem, do I believe that? Every other God fails that test, no other God, whatever it is, money, sex, power, social media, whatever it is, none of them deliver that, none of them fix that problem. And C, come, that's the yes, come, 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 come humbly, come freely, come to the banquet, price has been paid ticket's been paid. So what kind of person gets to enjoy the kingdom of God? The kind of person who admits their sin, their poverty, their their desperate need of Jesus, who believes that Jesus died to deal with all of that, to make a way to enjoy the Father's affection, and then who comes to him. And of course, in the parable, that's what happened to the lost and the last and the least, and the people who were out in the hedgerows and whatever. They could have made excuses, by the way. They could easily have made excuses. there were a whole load more excuses, I really don't feel worthy. I'm undeserving. How could I possibly accept that? They had some valid excuses too, probably up their sleeves that they could have used, but they didn't. They came. They pushed through those. They were hungry enough, needy enough, desperate enough, recognized they couldn't pay for it. They didn't need to scrub up. They didn't have anything to wear anyway. So they came. To the king's table. They grabbed the lifeline and they began to get cleaned up there. See, the host didn't run a background check on them just to see if they were, you know, how how they were going to behave when they came to the table. But the, the master of the house refused entry. Remember this sharp. He refuses entry to the ones who wanted to pay and who expected to be able to pay because they had good table manners. Surely my table manners are good enough. Surely I must be the one to get the invitation. No, absolutely not. Because you believe that, because that's the basis on which you want to come. No, you can't come because you've got nothing to offer. Turns out the Pharisees are the ones who are poor and blind and wretched, and their pride keeps them from the feast. I haven't really used the word, but it's obvious and you're thinking of it. Grace, this is grace, this is grace, this is the favor of God, this is an invitation to the empowering presence of God. Grace isn't just about favor, it's also about God's God's power at work. And Wimber said, John Wimber, a famous uh, church leader, said this, the way in is the way on. The way in is the way on, the way that we get into the kingdom in humble submission, in hunger. And accepting God's resources, God's grace, is then the way that we continue and live in that place and learn to, to be there. And this talk re- isn't really about that because the parable isn't really about that. But think about it. It's how we, get, how we continue from where we are. So, so from the initial yes, so often the people of God te- seem to go, yes, it's all about grace. Yes, it's all about the cross of Jesus. Yes, it's on the basis of his blood that I get entry. But so, I, so I'm saved by grace. But then I seem to live by works. I seem to live by all of, all of a sudden trying to earn God's approval again, trying to pay him stuff, trying to buy stuff off him by my good behavior and whether I come to church and whether I do my, say my prayers and do fasting. And if I fast a bit more, maybe I get a bit more approval from God and he's a bit more pleased with me. And we go back to that business. Nonsense. He's all for prayer and fasting and all of those things, but as a, as a response, not in order to. We live from love, not for it. We're so slow to get that, I speak to myself. It takes a, a lifetime and more. But it's massively powerful and God is shifting our mindsets in that way and He needs to continue. Would you try and pay for something again that's already yours? I mean that when you think about it, it's madness. Something that's already been paid for by somebody else. Josie didn't come and offer me 50 quid. She didn't offer me anything. I said it was free. I said just come and take it. All she had to do was get and come, take it. Sin is so stupid. It's like an act of self-harm, really, isn't it? So we're not to go back, having come to the table, we're not to start dabbling with the, the other alternatives and, and, and thinking, oh, no, this, this, this doesn't work. I'll go back to my own resources. I'll go back to my own strength. I'll go back to earning you know, stuff. I'll go back to messing up my life with other, other gods. Just, just check out that they're, they're not powerful like this one. But it's not sin that disqualifies us prostitutes were there the tax collectors were there the so-called scum of the earth were there jesus welcomed them because grace was for them and then they get cleaned up as they learn to live in that grace in that empowering presence enjoying the king enjoying his kingdom that is our gift that is who god is it's what the kingdom is it's what he's offering it's what he's holding out the great banquet isn't a story in a book that's two thousand years old it's right here, right now, and one day fully in heaven. So the question is, are we fully engaged in that? Are we on board? Have we gave, given our initial yes? And if we've given our initial yes, have we come to the table? Are we learning to, to enjoy the table, the present, the empowering presence of the king? And are we then the servants who take that message, the ones who are sent out to bring others? We're going to uh, share communion in just uh, a moment or two as part of a kind of response to uh, what the Lord's saying to us. I actually just want to play a, play a little clip first. Um, it's a compilation from The Chosen. Many of you will know The Chosen. If you don't, it's a beautiful series about the disciples of Jesus. Um, I think they're in season two or three. There's going to be eight eventually. And uh, it, it tells the story of, of the gathering of the disciples and their, their, all their human sort of frailties and struggles and so on. Uh, But as they just begin to come to the table, and the song that is over the top of the track is called, Come to the Table. I'm just going to, in case the words aren't super clear, I'm just going to read some of them. So just focus on this, and then we'll we'll, we'll enjoy this, uh, and I'll pray. We all start start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. Just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. And he said, Come to the Table. Come and join the sinners who've been redeemed. Take your place beside the Saviour. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. Come and meet this mighty crew of misfits. What a great description of the church. Brilliant. These liars and these thieves, there's no one unwelcome here. That sin and that shame that brought with you, you can leave that at the door. Let mercy draw you near. So come to the table. Come and join the sinners who've been redeemed. Take your place beside the Saviour. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. To the thief and to the doubter. To the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who, thung, who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princess, all who fall, you 've been forgiven, all who dream and all who suffer, all who loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow all who lead, anyone who 's been let down, all the lost, you 've been found, all you have been labeled, all who have been labeled right or wrong. To everyone who hears the song, oh, come to the table and take your place beside the Savior.